The night was overcast and dark. Still peering down from the rain span, Aaron could make out some detail inside the shadowy enclosure off Dead King's Walk. From the look of her, Murray could. Mary could too. In fact, from the way she fingered her new longbow, he could tell she was thinking she could hit the guard who periodically emerged from his sentry box to amble around checking on the merchandise. And never mind that she'd complained of the poor quality of the weapon compared to the old one she'd lost. She was a dangerous woman for certain, one who'd already killed some of Aaron's friends, and he was trusting her simply because when she'd promised to deal thoroughly with him, she'd seem to be speaking honestly, and even if not, so long as she didn't know where he'd stashed the black bouquet, she might well hesi hesitate to attack him. For what, if, for what if matters went awry and he either escaped her or wound up dead? In any case, he had to run the risk of working with her because she was right. For the time being, he did need her. He, his, tr his truest friends were dead, and Kesk had, demon had demonstrated his ability to turn the rest of Weevil against him. What do you think, he asked. I can make the shot, Mary replied. A cool breeze, moist with the promise of rain before morning, shifted a lock of her close-cropped hair. And I don't like slavers. But the trade is legal in Weevil, isn't it? Thank Mask, I'm just a miserable thief, he said. Such concerns don't matter to me. Yes, a slave emporium is legal in and of itself. Even if an outlaw like Kesk owns it. But if it makes you feel any better, I'd wager a wagon full of gold that he didn't come by all his stock in a lawful manner. That does make it better. Still, I'd rather not murder a man unnecessarily. She glowered and added, If that makes me a squeamish fool in your eyes, so be it. It doesn't, he admitted. If you remember, I tried to steal the black bouquet without anybody getting hurt. We'll use the, the other plan. Keeping an eye out for those who were scouring the city, hunting him, they stalked to the end of the bridge, entered a squat octagonal tower, and descended to the ground level via the stairs inside. Aaron cracked open the matchboard external door, peeked out, and frowned. Dead King's Walk was one of Weevil's primary thoroughfares, and despite the lateness of the hour, that particular section was both better lit and busier than he would have liked. He and Murray, or he, he and Mary would just have to cope. They sauntered to the slave market entrance. Aaron figured he had just a moment or two to make an assessment. If he took any longer, someone might conclude that he and his companion were loitering suspiciously. The gate had a sturdy, well-made lock. Burgle could have opened it with a per perfunctory mystical whisper, 
but it was likely to take Aaron a while. The high fence had long nails driven all the way through to the catch and pierce it and pierce a climber's flesh. He thought no, he thought he could swarm over unscathed, but had no idea whether Mary could do as well. All things considered, he felt the third option was the best. He positioned himself against the fence, where someone opening the gate wouldn't see him. Then Mary took hold of the rope hanging from the, from the brass bell and rang. She had to clang it twice more before a surly voice replied a surly voice replied from the other side we're closed come back tomorrow i'm traveling at first light she said and i need thralls to tend the pack animals i'll I, i'll pay well the guard opened the gate a notch to peer out at what appeared to be a lone woman in a non-threatening stance no blade in her hand or arrow in her bowstring speaking of little the hinges in need of oil, the portal swung wider. Aaron threw his shoulder against it and slammed it all the way open, staggering the half-elk watchman, or the half-orc watchman, in the process. He lunged onward and hammered his new cudgel against the guard's temple. The half-breed collapsed and Mary closed the gate. The whole thing had, thing had only taken a second and with luck, no one outside defense had observed it. Mary gave Aaron a nod of approval, and a second attendant, a human, stepped onto the stoop of the shack at the rear of the fenced-in yard. He plainly heard the bell, too, and come to see what was going on. He googled, then whirled, or, or he goggled and then whirled to run back inside. Aaron grabbed an arthen fang and threw it. The blade plunged into the target's back at the same instance as Mary's arrow. The man stumbled, made a ghastly little gargling sound, and fell on his face. The top half of him and the over the threshold, and the rest still stretched across the little porch. Aaron sighed. They'd hoped to do their job without killing, but it simply hadn't worked out that way. They couldn't let the wretch raise an alarm. Anyway, the dead man was a red axe. Was, wasn't he? Or as good as Aaron shoved the matter out of his mind. The slaves slept in what amounted to lintos in the middle of the middle of the yard with buckets provided for sanitation. Evidently, no one had emptied them for a while, and the stink made Aaron's eyes water. The thralls stared at him and Mary uh, apprehensively. All right, the ranger said, we're here to free you. Where do the overseers keep the tools? An underfed, half-naked hobgoblin, its back and shoulders stripped with whip marks, striped with whip marks, pointed at the shack. Mary stepped over the corpse of the doorway and re re reappeared with a mallet and chisel. Some of the slaves clamored for, for them. Keep quiet, she hissed. Once they obeyed, 
She passed out the tools and they started striking off their leg irons. Kesk will puke blood when he finds out all this coin has gone wings and flown away has grown wings and flown away, Aaron said with a grin. Coin, Mary repeated. Is that all they are to you? I suppose it was practical. You wouldn't free them, but simply steal them to sell yourself. You're wrong, Aaron said. He didn't know why she should care about her. He, Aaron, Aaron said he didn't know why he should care about her opinion of him, but her scorn was starting to, to, to rankle. In my time, I've stolen copper, ingots, bells of silk, pots of jam, and as it turns out, a formulary. Why not? They're just things. What difference does it make whose pocket they wind up in? But I've never tried my hand in slaving or kidnapping or killing for hire. I don't have the stomach for any of that. But you do hurt people in the course of committing your outrages. You and your accomplices killed some of my mercenaries. At least killing isn't the very heart of our trade, unlike yours. A ranger, a warrior, and manhunter, right? I don't suppose you would have joined your Red Heart Guild unless you liked shooting people. I like defending the innocent. Sometimes that re that is madness. One of the thralls, a rather pretty blonde woman with an uptuned nose, suddenly wailed. We can't sleep. They'll only punish us, maybe kill us, if we try. Uh, we can't escape. They'll only punish us, may maybe kill us if we try. Not if you're smart, Aaron said. If you were enslaved illegally and can prove it, run to your families or the Greyblades. The rest of you, sneak out of town before dawn, stay off the roads, and head for the barony of the Great Oak. It's not far, and they don't traffic in slaves there. They won't send you back. He opened his belt pouch and handed one of the slaves a few coins. Mary probably suspected the fiends he was spending... Mary probably suspected the funds he was spending were the same coins she had been carrying before her fall, but so far she hadn't made an issue of it. This will buy food or pay a bribe if need be. It won't help, the blonde thrall said. You gutless bitch, snarled the hobgoblin with all the lash scars, always whining or tattling on the rest of us. The hobgoblin had already freed itself and it lunged at her, swinging a length of broken chain like a morning star. Aaron and Mary sprang forward and grabbed the goblin kid, which, biting and thrashing, struggled madly to break free. It was surprisingly strong despite the mistreatment it had endured. Easy, Aaron said. Take it easy. So intent was he on restraining the creature that when the other thralls cried out, it took a split second for the warning to register. When it did, Aaron looked over his shoulder, just in time to see the red axes pull the trigger of their crossbows. The weapons clacked, and he dived forward with all his strength, bullying Murray and the hobgoblin down to the ground. Goblin can gr the goblin can grunted as one of the bolts pierced its body. Aaron was unscathed. He hoped Murray was too, but didn't have time to check on her. It was more important to assess the threat. He scrambled around to orient to orient on the marksman. 
He saw five red axes, three human, one long-legged hyena, faced no, and an orc. Perhaps they'd been prowling around the city hunting him, or else some other business had called them forth from the mansion of the, on the river. Either way, they must have heard the clank of the thralls breaking their fetters and come to investigate. Entering through the gate, Mary had, clo has, had closed but neglected to relock. A couple ruffians reached for their quivers. A big man with a boil on his neck shouted, Don't shoot. That's him. Aaron saw Randell. Take him alive. His companions obediently dropped the crossbows and readied their, their cudgels. Aaron was glad that at least... Aaron was glad of that at, at least. Their reluctance to kill him, to kill the one per, their reluctance to kill the one person who could uh, lead them to the black bouquet, was the only advantage he had. He 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 scrambled up. He plucked a throwing knife from his boot. He faked a cast to no. He faked a cast at the knoll, whose eyes widened in alarm. Then he pivoted and flung the dagger at the human wearing a foppish slash du doublet and fancy sash instead. The knife plunged into the bravo's chest and his, and he reeled backwards. At the same moment, however, the orc lifted a tiny metal bottle, threw back his head, and gulped the contents. The man with the boil tossed what looked like a little brass toy to the ground. It scuttled forward under its own power, and as it advanced, it grew larger, swelling into a clattering metal prey man praying mantis, two heads taller than Aaron himself. The slaves kept on screaming. He didn't blame them. Aaron couldn't imagine a throwing blade damaging the enchanted apparatus, so retreating, he reached for his heavy fighting knife instead. That wasn't likely to do much good either, but if... But if was but it was the best weapon he had. Mary shot the mantis twice. The first arrow glanced off its long, thin body. The second struck for a, for a second, then dropped and fell away, leaving a shallow pock, uh, poke mark in the brass. He knocked a third shaft. No, she she knocked a third shaft. Registered the foes uh, of flesh and blood rushing at in at her, pivoted, and then fly at them instead. The arrow plunged so deeply into the torso of the human red X that half of it popped out of, its, of his back. The outlaw dropped. Her next arrow flew at the orc, whose flesh emitted a sticky greenish light, a product, no doubt, of the potion it had consumed. The shift, no, the shaft hit the creature squarely in the neck but simply snapped in two without even slowing the target. The orc had figured out that the red axes didn't need to take anyone but Aaron alive. It still carried a long club in its left hand, but had drawn its scimitar with its right, and as it scrambled into the distance, it slashed at Mary's knee. She retreated, avoiding the cut tossed the longbow away, and snatched for the hilt of her new broadsword. Aaron watched it all from the corner of his eye, directing most of his attention to the metal insect menacing towards him. Graceful despite its size and the clanking, 
that attended its every move. The mantis leaped, its long hind legs, hind legs straightened explosively and hurled it through the air. Even though Aaron had his eye on it, the move caught him by surprise. If the, me if the me mechanism landed on him, the shock would break bone, and the sheer weight of it would pin him to the ground, even if it didn't crush him outright. He sprung desperately backwards. Even so, the mantis crushed down right in front of him. The impact jolted the ground. Up close, it smelled of oil. Long, serrated pincers opened to snatch him up. He dodged one set of claws and reposted re with a stab. The Arthen Fang grated a long brass, merely scratching it. The other forklime leaped at him, and a hand shoved him out of the way. The pincers snapped shut on empty air. He glanced at his rescuer. It was the gaunt hobgoblin with the whip marks. The creature had a crossbow quarrel sticking in its left shoulder, but apparently wasn't too badly wounded to fight. It lashed the mantis with its chain. The construct twisted its head, evidently considering the thrall through its bulbous, faceted eyes. Then it returned its attention to Aaron. It chased him across the yard snatched for him relentlessly, occasionally dipping its head lower in an effort to seize him in its man man mandibles. The other slaves scurried to stay clear. Aaron thrust and hacked with the knife when he could, which wasn't often. It was hard enough just to stay out of this con construct's clutches and keep it from cornering him against the fence. He supposed the lack of uh, offense didn't much matter. As predicted, the blade wasn't doing the device any real damage, any more than was the hobgoblin still gar garnally flailing away at its flank. When Aaron was facing in the right direction, he caught a glimpse of Mary and her opponents, who'd spread out to attack her from two sides. The orcs, the orc pressed her beard thrusting the magical elixir it had consumed to keep her blade from penetrating its flesh. For the most part, the knoll fought for de more defensively, hanging back a little until it judged that its comrade and her distracted, then attacking ferocious, furiously. So far, neither of them had succeeded in penetrating her guard, but her manifest skills notwithstanding. Aaron was sure she was in trouble. She was in no more trouble than he was in he was in himself, but the hobgoblin's attempts to save him weren't helping. It was possible the slave could aid Mary, however, so he gasped in the air to shout and tell it to go to her. But before he could get the words out, the goblin can left off buttering the mantis and grabbing one of its middle legs. The thrall was either trying to tear it off, use it to heave the mechanism into its side, or simply immobilizing the thing. Aaron couldn't tell which. 
Whatever the hobgoblin intended, the maneuver finally served to distract the mantis, pausing in its pursuit of Aaron. It jerked its leg, shook the slave loose, pivoted, and snatched it up in its pincers. It gave the thrall a shake, then flipped it across the yard to slam into the front of the shack, after which the hobgoblin sprawled motionless. Though the goblin can, Ken's efforts failed, perhaps it gave, had given Aaron a chance. While the mantis was con concentrating on its other foe, he dashed around to the back of it, and end it typically carrying too slow, it nearly brushed the ground. Without hesitation, he climbed straight up its narrow body. The years he'd spent scaling sheer walls and traversing treacherous ledges and rooftops allowed him to maintain balance and traction on the slippery, rounded surfaces. He straddled its neck like a rider sitting on a ho no, sitting a horse. While he stayed there, he hoped it couldn't reach him, which with either of its claws or mandibles. Looking down, he saw a gap where the head connected to the body. He jammed his knife into the crack, and when and when that had no appreciable effect, he threw his weight against the blade, praying as if it would be a lever. The mantis pitched sideways, and he realized that if he remained where he was, it was going to roll over him. He leaped clear and landed hard, metal crashing, numb, half-stunned. He forced himself to his feet, and the apparatus did too. Flinging itself to the ground, it had, no, flinging itself to the ground had damaged it. One side was dented, and its left forelimb protruded at an angle. Still, it pounced at Aaron, as agilely as before. As soon, no, as once again he fled before it, he struggled not to give way to outright panic and despair. There had to be a way to stop it. Once Nikos had resigned himself to the fact that his son meant to follow in his footsteps, he taught him that if only a thief kept his head, he could think his way around the danger. And so dodging, painting, or panting, gasping for breath, his heart pounding, Aaron strained to think, and eventually something struck him. Two red axes were dead. The orc and Noel were fighting Mary. Where is the fifth one? Aaron thought. The heaviest man with the boil. Why isn't he battling along his comrade, alongside his comrades and the mantis? Once Aaron looked, it was easy enough to spot the fellow, even though he, he was standing well back from the action. The ruffian was simply gazing fixedly at his quarry, struggling with the mental insect, because he was controlling the contra contraption with his mind. Aaron had spent enough time with Dahl and Burgell to know it was possible. It was a long dagger cast to the Red Axe, but he doubted the Mantis would let him get much closer. He dodged its next attack and snatched out a throwing knife. The brass insect pivoted, cutting off Aaron's view of his target, so he sprinted to bring the man with the boil back into sight. 
Thanks to the delay, the Red Hags had plainly spotted the new weapon, for he stood poised to duck or dodge. Aaron cocked his arm and flicked his wrist, faking a cast to make Kesk's henchman move. The Bravo jumped to the left and Aaron threw the blade, leading the target, target slightly. The man with the boil was committed to his useless evasion action. He couldn't arrest or change it, and the flat leaf-shaped Arthen Fang plunged into his chest right up to the handle. Aaron sensed, Aaron sensed motion above him. He looked up at a pair of grasping claws and jumped back just in time to avoid them. Tenders clashing and gnashing, the mantis lunged after him and sick with terror and hopelessness. Aaron thought he'd guessed wrong. It didn't matter that he'd killed the outlaw with the blemish. The apparatus would keep attacking on its own. Then, however, he saw that with he he hesitating, he saw that it was hesitating between advances and attacks, slowing down until after a few seconds, it froze into immobility with a final metallic groan. Aaron would have liked nothing better that, no, than to stand still and clutch his breath. But when he glanced around, he saw that Mar Mary's plight was as difficult as before. Accordingly, he transferred the big Arthen Fang back into his primary hand and charged across the yard. He bellowed to draw attention to the orc, and no, or rather he tried. The sound came out as more of a bleat. Still, it worked. The red axes faltered in their attack and glanced around. Mary tried to take advantage of the opportunity that afforded her. She lunged her arm straight. The broadsword extended to pierce the towering knoll's guts. She almost scored, too, but the canine-headed creature must have glimpsed the motion from the corner of its eyes. It wrenched itself back around just in time to parry with the sturdy brass-headed cane in its offhand. Then it chopped at her head with a falchion. She turned the st stroke with her steel buckler. Metal rang. Foam flying from its muzzle, the knoll snarled some something in its own yipping language. Aaron couldn't understand it, but the orc must have because it immediately turned to face her, face him. The sheen of its wary flesh made his eyes ache and his stomach queasy. It reminded him of the way he felt on those rare occasions when he drank enough to make the world spin around. The orc fainted in cudgel, no, fainted a cudgel jab at his face, and when he lifted his arm to block, it swung its scimitar at its, at its legs, at his legs. Evidently, it trusted that, no, evidently it trusted that it could cripple him without killing him outright. Caught by surprise, Aaron still managed to recoil in time. Then, before the red axe could come back on guard, he sprang in close and thrusted the Arthian fang at its ribs.